Welcome to Atmosphere Church. My name is Jim Cruz and I'm the lead pastor. We're a new non-denominational life-giving church located in the Conejo Valley, just west of Los Angeles. Let me just say on behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this service. We pray that it'll touch your heart and change your life. In addition to bringing you today's service, we wanna make ourselves available to you in any way we can. Please leave a comment if you need prayer or if you wanna speak with one of our leaders in any struggle that you may be facing right now, we will be sure to respond to anything you need in your life. Here at Atmosphere, we believe that we should never forsake the gathering together with other believers. Don't use this recorded service as your church experience. Get involved in the local church to the extent that the people there know you by name. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our community. For more information about our church, go to our official webpage at atmosphere.church. Finally, there's a lot of man hours that are put behind making services and resources like this available that are meant to help you grow and develop as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you and really for others who are also desiring to grow in their faith. To make a financial donation, simply click on the link on our site that says donate and your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Remember, when you give to Atmosphere Church, you're actually giving through Atmosphere to change lives in our church in our city and literally around the world. We've already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the service. We're finishing up a series called Selfless. And, and I've been telling you, that this isn't news for any of you here. There is an obsession in our culture with self. And you guys probably, if you have social media, you see it. We've talked about selfies. But even besides selfies, there, just, there seems to be another level of selfishness in our culture that it's really damaging relationships. It's really kind of causing people to not be really happy with themselves anymore. Uh, you may or may not uh, like this video, but uh, I love the comedian Jim Gaffigan. <laughs> and, and he does this little pitch, and I'll, I'll let the kids see this, and then we'll dismiss him to youth class with Don and Katie. But, but go ahead and watch this as he talks about self. I don't self. get the mirrors, you know. I don't want to see myself working out. I know what I look like. That's why I'm going to the gym. <laughs> Obviously, there's some people that do want that, right? They're like, if I'm going to be working out, I want to look at something like myself. I want to look at myself while I work on myself. I should do a recording so I can listen to myself while I look at myself while I work on myself. As I leave through my self magazine, read how myself can improve myself. Maybe I'll go to my Facebook page and look at photos of myself. Read what myself has written about myself. Yo soy muy importante. Myself! <laughs> For those of you that have social media, do you know that I was reading an article this week that, that said that 80% of the reasons that people go on social media is to check what other people have said about their own post 
that they posted. It's not to see what other people are doing. 80% of the time that people are going on social media is to find out how people are responding to something that that individual posted. And And I found that to be fascinating. We don't really care what's going on in other people's lives. We just want to know how they're handling our news and what's happening with our life. But as this one uh, psychology professor, doctor down at the University of California, San Diego. Her name is Dr. Jean Twinge. She wrote a book several years ago called Generation Me. And she did this in-depth study uh, about the effects of narcissism in, in ourselves personally. And then what she found is that the more self-centered a person is, the more happy or unhappy, rather, they become. And so there is a direct connect with the more importance you put on yourself, the actual less happiness you experience in life. And what we've been talking about over the last month is that Jesus taught us this principle and said, if you really want to discover life, it's going to be found in you losing your life. And if you lose your life, he says, for my sake, you're actually going to find it. And so let me pray, and we'll jump into our passage this morning in 1 Corinthians 11. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that even though we're trying to sort things out and figure things out, God, your word has proclaimed to us thousands of years ago how to really experience true life. I pray, Lord, you would teach us, not just as a church, but as individuals, how we can live in such a self-obsessed culture to be focused on you, Jesus, and to be focused on others, and to really experience the fullness of life that you have for all of us, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. One of the cultural values we have as a church is joy. And we consider joy not an emotion that we experience, but an attitude that we have. See, a lot of people look at, at joy like, I, I'm not feeling joyful, but that's really not how joy is that's happiness but joy is something deeper than happiness joy is an attitude and what i love about this word joy is that somebody years ago gave me this little acrostic for the word joy and i'll put it up for you if you want to have more joy if you want to be more joyful in your in your life you want to have an attitude shift for your life then here's the order jesus first other second and yourself last. Jesus first, other second, yourself last. We've talked the last three weeks about giving more, loving more, and serving more. Today, we're talking about Jesus more. And we're gonna find out how we can really be intentional about keeping Jesus first in our life. Because I'm like you, life throws a lot of different things my way, just like he does, uh, or just like life does your way. And it Even though you're a follower of Jesus, you can get caught up with all of this stuff to where even though you believe in God and you claim that you follow Jesus, you can just get spun out in all these different things and get to the end of your day and go, man, I didn't really pray today. Man, I haven't even really thought about God today. It happens to all of us. But the Bible gives us a remedy to kind of how to keep us in this mindset of Jesus first, and that really comes down to communion uh, and what we're going to be doing today, and I'll explain communion for those of you that may be new to the experience of what communion is, but there was a, a time that the church was 
kind of uh, going through some difficulties, the Corinthian church and the Apostle Paul, who's the leader of the church, he, he was kind of doing some mission work, and so he was away, and he was hearing rumors about the church wasn't doing really well. And so what he had to do is he had to write a letter, you know, that was what people had to do. You know, if you're under 30, you, we used to have to write letters and send them in the mail. Um, it wasn't email, wasn't text message, right? So, so Paul writes this letter to the Corinthian church, and he says, hey, man, I'm hearing stuff about things that you're doing that, that really are working against what we're trying to do, and, and that is to follow Jesus. Like, there are things that you're doing, there, there are ways that you're treating each other that that's not good, and that's opposite of how we should be living like Jesus. And so in this letter, and we read it in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians, in this letter he, he writes this, he says, but in the following instructions, I cannot praise you. In other words, this isn't good, what you guys are doing, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. I've been a part of some gatherings that are like, we would have been better off if we had not even done this meeting, right? First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent, I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. In other words, when stuff is kind of going wrong, if, if you're in alignment with God, it's, it's when things are going wrong that you really shine the brightest because you're staying the course of what God wants for your life when everyone else is kind of derailing. Have you ever been in a situation where everything's going wrong and it almost feels like a test? Like, am I gonna stay the course or am I gonna spin off and do what everybody else is doing? Have you ever been caught in traffic and people are yelling at each other and you're mad too, but you're like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I call it putting gasoline on a fire. It's just like, I, I can choose in this moment to be water or gasoline. And I can try to help diffuse the situation or I can ignite it to another level. Am I the only one that is like that? You guys are looking at me kind of weird, like, no, you have all been there, you know it, okay? It says, when you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. Now, I've got to pause there and give you the backstory. So when they would meet as a church, they would do these things called agape feasts. So we have this little cup, you know, and, and a little cracker wafer in it, but what they would do when they would have these Suppers, I mean, it would, it would be like the original potluck. People would all bring their, their you know, favorite dishes and they would lay it all out. And I mean, they called it an agape. It was a feast. There was a couple buffets in Vegas that we loved that were called feasts. I mean, you know, just it was like, wow, just so much food you didn't even know, like where to start. And you're just like, even though I'm full, I didn't hit that yet. So I'm going to hit that and that. Yeah. Be careful of buffets, but it's in the Bible. It says that you should buffet your body. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying it's the Lord's will sometimes. But this is kind of what was going on in this space. They were all getting together. They were eating, but there, it, was, it was not good because people were taking their food that they would bring and they would eat it. And then people would come hungry and they would just like take more for themselves and, and not leave some for people that didn't bring any food. So people that kind of maybe were poor and, and couldn't bring any dishes with them, they would get to the, the line to, 
get their food and there would be no food left. And it would break people. They would just be so devastated and they felt so isolated and and disconnected from the rest of the group when they should take a space like that. And that should be like when we're at our best is when we're at church, right? We're at our best. And, And Paul's saying, you guys can't even treat each other fairly. Like, how are you supposed to live the kingdom lifestyle outside of the church if you can't even figure it out inside the walls of the church? So for some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some grow grow hungry or go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? He says, what am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it, and then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. He says, in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. And that is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Now, according to this letter, and, you know, scholars and theologians have really studied this to see, like, were people really getting sick because they were not honoring God in this thing that he asked us to do to remember his life? And the answer is we don't know for certain. All we have is what Paul says. So I, I have to believe, just like in our lives, if, if we're living in a way that is not in alignment with God, we know sometimes those life choices can get us unhealthy, right? And, and I don't know what that life choice is. Maybe it's drugs or maybe it's too much alcohol. But there, there are certain choices that you can make for yourself that will actually affect your health, and possibly this is one of those situations. But what Paul is saying here to the Corinthian church is that you guys are out of order. This this amazing moment that is supposed to put Jesus first in all of our lives, you are actually using it to promote yourselves. You're, You're working against the whole significance of what communion is all about. Now let me take you to the Gospel of Luke where we kind of can unpack the actual idea of what Jesus was talking about when he said, you know, eat of my body and and drink of my blood, because it just sounds, especially if you're not a church person, you're like, what is this, like vampire service? Like, what is this thing going on? And and let me just take you to Luke chapter 22, because this is very important for us to understand as followers of Jesus. It's so important, especially in our culture that has us so fragmented with our thought life. It says, and when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, 
I want to drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying this cup, this cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. And what he's doing is he's having this meal with his disciples. And the Gospel of Luke says that it was actually the Passover meal. Jewish people still to this day celebrate the Passover meal. It's called the Seder dinner. Just by chance, has anyone sat down and partaken of a Seder dinner before? Just, it's an amazing experience. And even though technically I'm not Jewish, now, that is a great experience. So if you have a Jewish friend, invite yourself over to have a Seder meal with them. You might, you might have a great experience. So, but this is Jesus in this moment. He, he's taken this Passover meal, which for thousands of years had a significant meaning. As a matter of fact, in the book of Exodus, in the Old Testament, God told the Israelites, hey, you're going to honor me in this way every year. This is going to be a feast that you guys have so that you can remember the significance of what I have done for you in the entire culture of the Israelites. And so they would sit down, they would have this meal together, and they had all of these different foods and different items, and they, they had significant meaning behind each of them. But now what Jesus is doing is he's flipping the meaning. He's, he's taken the original meaning, which was about God releasing the Israelites from the captivity in Egypt. And now he's saying, it's not about that anymore. It's about me. It's the, the, the bread here, which represent the unleavened bread, which represent you guys, you know, had to leave in a hurry. That, it's not about that anymore. This is about my body that is going to be broken for you. This cup, which had all kinds of different meanings and significance with the Exodus, he says, no, this is now my blood, which is going to be shed so that you could be forgiven of your sin. There's a, there's a new covenant, and a covenant is a biblical term that goes all the way back to this guy named Abraham who cut a covenant with God. And what it was is they would come in an agreement. To, to come into an agreement with somebody, to have a covenant with somebody, they would, they would have this kind of business deal or whatever it was. They, they would have this agreement, and to make it official, it's weird, you, you gotta remember, this is ancient times now, okay? So it's hard to like imagine, you know, 2019, somebody signing a contract this way, but they would take an animal, and they would cut the animal, and they would, they would have this little trench, and, and the blood of the animal would come into this trench, and what they would do is the people that were making the agreement would walk through the trench, and they would make a statement to say, let it be to me as it was this animal if I break this contract with you. And it says that Abraham had the original covenant with God and that God walked Abraham through the sacrifice and he says, I am cutting a new covenant with the Israelites. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's cutting a new covenant, but he's using his own life as the blood so that we can enter into a new covenant with God, a, a covenant that is about healing, a covenant that is about forgiveness. And, and this new covenant that Jesus is making, he says, I I'm gonna do this to where you guys don't just meet once a year. That whenever you guys get together, whenever you're having a meal, 
that, that you're going to have this moment where you're going to be able to remember this new covenant that you have with me because you, you're going to eat. You're going to have to have bread. You're going to have something to drink with. And now we are giving these items new significance for your life because Jesus understood something that you already understand as a human being, that it's easy to forget the things that we should remember. I say often that it's just a, the brokenness of our lives that we forget the things that we ought to remember and we remember the things that we ought to forget. Isn't that true? It's just a sign of our brokenness. But what Jesus is doing here is he's saying, I, I want to create this, this new tradition so that as you partake in this, despite all that you've got going on in your life, you will remember the significance of me and the role that I play in your life. Years ago, I was having communion at a church service just like this, and the Holy Spirit came, and he spoke to my heart, and I never looked at communion the same after this. And I want to give it to you guys. And maybe the way the Holy Spirit gave me a revelation, maybe you will receive a similar revelation. But as I was looking at this wafer, and I was thinking about the words of Jesus, even echoed by the Apostle Paul in this letter to the Corinthian church, is he broke that bread. It was a symbol of the brokenness that Jesus would experience on the cross. And I began thinking about the way that Jesus was on the cross and, and, and he died for me. Not only did he shed blood, I mean, he went through the most horrific way of dying that has ever been invented by humanity. Still to this day, people that study history will say crucifixion is the most horrific way that you can execute somebody. Even in our day and age of all the different things that we've invented like electric chairs and all of that, crucifixion is by far the most horrible way to execute somebody. And Jesus wasn't just crucified. Before he got to the cross, he was beaten severely by, by the Roman soldiers. Beyond recognition, one passage says in the Gospels. So here Jesus was completely broken so that I wouldn't have to live the rest of my life broken. And it was this moment where I just like, whoa, because here's what is true about you and is true about me. We are broken people. Go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, I'm broken. You could tell him back, say, I already knew that. <laughs> But it's a reality for all. We're all broken. And the great thing about what Jesus is showing us here in this, this communion is that as we partake of communion, it is to remind us of the healing that God is wanting to bring into all of our lives, that he doesn't want you living the rest of your life broken. He wants to bring a healing and restoration, not just to your soul, but to your entire life, church. And the blood, the cup, as I was taking communion that day and the Holy Spirit began giving me this revelation saying, this isn't just about the blood that was shed when Jesus was dying on the cross, that this blood represents the cleansing that God wants to do in my own soul. That just like we're all broken, all of us are tainted with sin. All of us have 
things in our life that, that make us sometimes, if we're, if we're really honest, if we're really genuine with ourselves, can make us feel shameful towards our own lives. Have you ever made a decision in your life that you knew was a dumb decision, and immediately after you made that decision, there was, a, there was an overwhelming sense of shame that came over you? The blood of Jesus isn't just about you being forgiven of your sin. It's about you walking and living in the forgiveness that Jesus has paved the way for you to live the rest of your life. He doesn't want you walking around with shame hanging over your life or inside of your soul. He wants you walking in the forgiveness of your sins so that you can walk in the freedom of what Christ has died to be able to give you. It's about healing and it's about forgiveness. I have a slide just to show you that Jesus wants you walking in your healing and your forgiveness. And the more you're remembering him, church, the more you're doing this and you're remembering him, the more you are going to live in the, the healing and the forgiveness and you're going to come against the ways the devil wants to come against you and remind you every day of your brokenness, to remind you of the things that you be shameful for. And he wants to rid you of all of that. But in order to do that, he's got to captivate your heart, not just at a church service or at a, an event. But he wants to captivate your heart daily. Remember, Jesus first, others second, yourself last. That's the attitude of joy. Now, I'm going to give you just real quickly three significant things that communion does for us that you need to maybe think about besides what I just told you. Number one, if you're taking notes, it gives you an opportunity to retune your senses. Again, not to sound like I'm repeating myself, but it's so easy to get lost in all of your stuff. Some of you, you have jobs, you have families, and you're busy, and you've got extracurricular things, hobbies that you're doing, and, and very much, uh, I don't know, I'm going old school on you guys today. How many remember one of these guys, all right? How many carried it like this? Remember this? Well, this is a new and improved model. It actually has Bluetooth. It's really cool. It took me a while to find one with a cassette tape player. And I even found a cassette tape in my house. But check this out. I, I, realize, I realize that, see, every summer... When we were outside, you know, in Bakersfield, we had a swimming pool growing up. Almost every family has a swimming pool in Bakersfield, as you can imagine. Um, and we would always have the FM radio playing out there when we were swimming, just to have some music. But it, the FM radio, just for you kids out there that don't even know what the FM radio is, this is how we used to have to listen to songs, right? And if we, if we wanted... To, to hear a song over and over again, we would have to listen on the radio till it came on and record it and hope the DJ didn't like talk over the beginning of it because that just ruined the song. How many remember those days, all right? But I remember, you know, you would, you would listen, you, you would tune into the station and, and, and you would be able to just bump it. And then be like, hey man, who bumped the radio? You have to go in there and you have to kind of get it and and you're like, okay, yeah. And then somebody would come and bump it again and you'd be like, come on. That's a good groove right there. I know. 
I don't know who the song is, but all that to say, this is how some of our lives sound right now. But what communion does is it retunes us about what's really important and what really matters. Come on, somebody. Yeah. Julian's moving his head. Yeah. So there is a retuning that God is wanting to do in your life, and communion is a great way to do that. I don't know what bumped your radio this week. Maybe it was just a, a bad conversation with a boss. I, I don't know if it was just a marriage argument that you had. I don't know if the kids didn't listen to you like they should have listened to you. And, and it just had that effect where it just got you a little out of tune. Remembering Jesus has the ability to tune us back up. But it's not just about like communion and a church service like this. I started something when I really surrendered my life to Christ where I would pray over all of our, our meals. And I did this not just because this is what Christians do. I did this because it was a moment that I could pause in my day and I could remember Jesus and, and thank him. Every time Jesus would, would take food, he would always give thanks for it. And, and that's why I like to pray over my meals. But it's also a time not just to be thankful for the meal that I'm eating, but to be thankful to have him in my life. And, and let me just tell you, sometimes it's even hard as a pastor because uh, you know, there's so many things coming at me and things that I'm trying to figure out, and especially like planning a church. And on Monday, I had one of those moments where I just, my mind was full of all kinds of thoughts. And, and uh, I was down here in Thousand Oaks, and I go, I, I need to go eat some lunch. And I went to pick up sticks, and I just, you know, grabbed a little teriyaki bowl, and I was just sitting there. And before I was about ready to just, you know, eat my lunch, I just took a moment, and I'm like, Lord, I just thank you for this lunch, and, and God, I just thank you, Jesus, for coming to my life. And I just had this moment. It wasn't like a 15-minute prayer. Have you ever had somebody pray over your meal, and it's like they're getting their prayer time in, and you're like, I'm, I'm hungry right now, man. I just expected you to say, thank you, Lord, for everything. Let's eat, you know? I'm like, bro, you should have prayed this morning, not, not right now. Come on. Right, but I just had this moment, and I was just praying, and and it just like just like that radio. Just I got back into tune, and immediately I became aware not just of my own life. I became aware of everybody in that restaurant. It was amazing. Before that moment, it was just me in that restaurant, and when I got retuned, all of a sudden I was shown all of these people who all have stories. And I felt like the Holy Spirit said, look at that person right there. And it's this lady eating by herself. And immediately I felt that God had a scripture that I was supposed to give her. And I didn't have a scripture card with me like we have in the lobby. You can grab one before you leave in case you have a little nudge like I did this week. But I wrote it on a napkin. And and I, I just wrote it, and I just said, you know, I just felt like it was um, for her that, that she was having a lot of anxious thoughts. And so I just wrote Philippians 4, 6, and 7, be anxious for nothing, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind. So I went up to her, and 
course, you know, a man approaching a woman and just kind of be weird space, but I said, hey, I'm a pastor. That's always good to say in those spaces, right? <laughs> Other times I'm like, hey, I'm not, you know, I'm just a regular bro, but I'm like, I'm a pastor. I'm not a creepy guy, you know, but here, here is the scripture. I just really felt, I don't know what you're going through, but I said, I, I was just praying over my meal and I just saw you and I just felt like you needed the scripture. So have a great day. And she, oh, thank you. And I just left. And, and I don't tell you that story to, you know, say, oh, you're such a good guy. You know, that's so neat. I just said, I say that story to you to tell you how easy, even as a pastor, it is to get out of tune. But how easy it is to get back into tune by a simple prayer. So your communion time isn't just this once a week kind of thing that we do at church, but this is an everyday experience. It retunes your senses. Secondly, it gives you an opportunity to re-examine your choices. Because here's the reality, all of us are making choices every day. And first you make your choices, but then your choices make you, you know that? You, your life becomes a sum of all the choices that you've been making and accumulating in your life. Some of you right now, you're in a bad situation. It's not because God is mad at you. It's not because God is disappointed in you. It's because your choices got you to that place. I've said this before, but not all of it, but a lot of our headaches and heartaches in our life are self-inflicted by bad decision-making. You know what communion gives us an opportunity to do? Kind of boop, like re-examine where we're at. I call it taking a spiritual flashlight into the soul and see maybe what stuff got lodged in there, you know? Have you ever had something maybe stuck in your throat or in your teeth and you're like, I can't see it, it's in there somewhere? It's just like, honestly, communion is an opportunity to kind of take an inventory of anything that you may have done that has impacted you and pulled you off course from where God wants you to be at. It could be a thought bubble that just got you off track. It, it could be something that you said to somebody that got you off track. But see, the importance is when you re-examine yourself, and the Bible says if you confess your sin before God, he is faithful and just to forgive you of that sin. So all you do is once you identify it and say, oh, I know what it is. This got lodged in me. This is pulling me off course. This is, it feels like I'm stuck and I just need to get this out. You just confess it to God and say, God, I agree with you that, w- that this choice, this decision that I made is not good for me. So I ask that you just remove this thing out of my life so that I can be clear of anything that would limit my ability to connect with you. That's what it means, re-examining your choices. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty eight. 28, we already read this, but it says, so then you should each examine yourself first and then eat the bread and drink from the cup. So I, I believe as we respond in worship right now that you're gonna have an opportunity. Just We're not gonna do it all together and say, okay, take the wafer. And, and I know maybe at the church that you were a part of, you did it that way, but we're gonna give you space during uh, the worship time when you feel ready, when you feel like you've taken inventory, you've confessed things to God, you're like, okay, I'm ready. In that moment, you go for it, you, t- you take communion, but at your pace when you feel completely ready. And the third thing that communion does is it gives us an opportunity to reignite your faith. Because communion is about reminding us that Jesus is coming back for us. He says, you're gonna do this until I come back again. 
So every time we're taking communion, it's a reminder that he hasn't abandoned us. He's actually here with us, and his kingdom is coming. That our best days are in front of us, not behind us. That the best is yet to come, and it doesn't matter what we've done. The future for us as followers of God are always, are always going to be positive, are always going to be blessed. Why? Because heaven is waiting for us. And every time we're taking communion, we're reminding ourselves that what we're doing here and how we're living here, it doesn't matter because we're going to be in eternity with God. And he's coming back for his church, which is us. And some of us, it's so easy to let our circumstances and situation beat us up and make us feel like, man, my life is horrible. My life is going nowhere. No, my friend, we have a saying around here and you need to get used to it right now that your best is yet to come. Would you just look at your neighbor right now and say, your best is yet to come. And communion, communion has that capacity to pull you out of your funk. Say, I'm going through it. Well, you know what? You're going through it today, but there's a new season coming for your life. And every time you're taking communion, you're, you're reigniting that flame. Can I ask you a question? Has there ever been a time in your walk with God that you felt like you were closer, that you were more on fire than you are right now? If the answer is yes, then my challenge to you is to go back to that moment. So what was I doing then that I need to start doing again that I've stopped doing? That's the best way to get your faith reignited and in, to a place where God can really start moving through you. Worship band, come on up. And as they're coming up, I, I'm gonna ask you to just take that cup and be thinking about the significance of what this cup really means. Because chances are, maybe your life is a little out of tune right now. Chances are, maybe you have some things stuck inside of your soul. Chances are, maybe your fire has gone out a little bit. Well, communion is gonna give you an opportunity to change all of that. But I know that in this room right now, there's people that you feel far from God. And communion is about you really reconnecting with the God that created you. It's about God coming close to you. And it's about you putting yourself close to God. So I'm gonna pray and if you could just join me and just bow your heads, close your eyes, and maybe just hold that cup in your hand as we're praying. Lord, we just thank you that we have this gathering, that we get to come here every Sunday and to remember what you've done for us, what you're doing in us now, and what you desire to do with us in the future. And today, God, we... We're just mindful that you said as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup that you would do this in remembrance of me. Jesus, we understand that this wasn't a small feat, what you accomplished, that you went to the cross willingly knowing that your brokenness would mean our wholeness, that your shed blood would mean our forgiveness. That even though the crucifixion was a horrible way to die, you were willing to do it so that we might be able to live. 
And while you're all praying, maybe taking an inventory of where you're at with God, I want to speak to some of you that are far from God right now. Maybe some of you that are feeling really dead inside. Let me tell you a word that God gave me this morning as I was praying over the service. There's somebody here that your mind is having a battle with your soul. Your mind is telling you, ah, oh, this is not right, this is, you're fine, and your soul is saying, no, you're not fine and you're not right, and something needs to change. Let me tell you, this service is about your soul win winning out because your soul is trying to tell you something that will not just change your attitude, it will change your eternity. You will be connected with the God that created you, that put you on this earth. And my prayer for you is that you turn to God and you let him fill your soul. Forget what your mind is saying to you. Listen to that thing inside of you that just has been craving and yearning for significance and peace and life. And that is your soul craving God. That is your soul crying out saying, hey, buddy, we're in trouble. We need to be connected to the one that created us. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that before we celebrate communion together as a church. And if you are far from God, but you know that God is calling you to get right with him, that you recognize that Jesus died for you to be healed, to be forgiven, and to walk in the fullness of life that God always intended you to have for your life. If you're here this morning, you've not made that decision, I want to pray for you in this moment. And if that's you, I'm not wanting to embarrass you or call you out or whatever. I, I just want to pray for you right where you're at, right where you're sitting. But I want you to do one thing for me. I want you to just pop your hand up and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I know that's where I'm at, and I know that's what I need to do with my life. Just pop it up and let me see it. Anyone at all? Yeah, God bless you. Yeah, both of you guys. Yeah, God bless you guys. Well, you that raised your hand, I just want you to pray this prayer after me. The rest of the church, we can pray with them too just to encourage them, but just pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, thank you for dying for my life so that I actually can start living. I ask that you send your spirit to come live inside of my soul to heal me to forgive me, to restore me to the life that you have for me. For today, I give you my life and I receive your life in place. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, thank you for tuning in today to another message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on YouTube, iTunes Podcast, Facebook, Twitter, and even on Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms and click either the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. And until next time, we pray you'll keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love. God bless you.